0: Hi there, Charlie McGee speaking. Just a quick note on the editing of this episode before you listen. So this is one of our earlier episodes, so... George and I were still quite new to the podcasting game, we hadn't got the optimum setup in place yet, we were still trying to record, uh, one of us in different countries, different mics over Skype, you name it, we tried it before we got to the best setup. So uh, if you prefer your episodes in the highest quality, probably suggest starting around episode 6 or 7, uh, where we're covering things like The Goonies and 1989 Batman, because I don't know, we just, we got things, we would worked out what worked, what didn't work, work But if you are a completist, you can go back and check out one of these earlier ones, like one, two, four, or five. Uh, episode three is actually pretty decent quality, and that's a special where we cover John McTiernan's classic with Arnie, Predator. So if you like bad impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger and to hear us talk about it for 90 minutes, be sure to check that out. Take all of that under advisement, just as Hans Gruber says. That's all I can really think of to mention. Thank you for downloading the episode. Keep sharing. Sharing is caring keep following us on all social medias and for everything else you can get us at retroramble.blog bye for now you like movies about gladiators those men wanted to have sex with me great nice beaver cinderella boy ramble is a pussy I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee, and welcome to Retro Ramble. As you might have guessed, this we are brothers, also movie lovers. We're brothers who grew up on a healthy diet of films, and we enjoy rambling about it. The purpose of this podcast is simple: we take a look back at the films that we grew up with and remember most fondly, films that are worth a discussion for one reason or the other—good or bad. This week, we thought as a slight palate cleanser and to move on from Predator that we do something which is a bit more shall we say accessible for the ladies out there. All oh, you lovely ladies that are listening to us, all two of them. So uh, we, so this week, we're going to be covering Point Break. Uh, we're going to go into some detail about that, but we just think it's always worth pointing out that we are not a publication, are we, George? We are not getting paid for this. Certainly not getting paid for this, but we enjoy doing it. Yeah, we are movie fans. We We've grown up watching these films, discussing these films. George has got movie qualifications and has works in the uh, in the industry. Um, I will confirm or no, deny. No, no. Yes, George Walker doesn't want to talk about the sort of films that he made. Uh, not on this podcast, anyway. But no. the point of Retro Ramble is that we take a look back at the films that mean a lot to us. Um, we try and insert a bit of banter and some terrible impressions to keep you amused in whatever you are doing, whether you are constructing a building, taking care of children, operating heavy machinery, or planning world domination. Whatever takes your fancy, we know that some people need podcasts in their life. And uh, I think it uh, goes out saying it's the first time that we are effectively doing this with a, a real audience. The first three episodes uh, we crafted over a number of months, we wanted to get ourselves at a, a state of readiness. So yeah, I think we should say a big thank you to all those people that have downloaded since we've gone live, uh, the people that reviewed us. Uh, a very big thank you. A very big thank you. You know, we've had some really nice feedback and it really means a lot to us both because we've spent a lot of time trying to get this, this baby up and running. But yeah, if, uh, if you do like what you hear, you're having a little giggle right now. Can you please you know, take out the time to just leave us a review? Share the love. Get the word out yeah, there. Just just tell a friend. They might tell a friend. Yeah, and also feel free to send in any suggestions you have uh, for films you'd like us to cover. Random questions. Yeah, random questions, because they, they could and probably will become a feature because you've started to get some very interesting feedback. So, anything else, George, before we dive into the 1991 classic that is Point Break I mean, I think we're going to go into some detail We're going to go to some beautiful places We're going to LA And then at the end, we're going to wrap up with uh, Once we've covered the film, as per usual George and I will talk for a few minutes on Things, what we're into at the moment Because it's not all retro, is it? It's George? not all retro We've got some uh, You you had an exciting uh, Movie premiere Filmic encounter Yes uh, Recently, which uh, I think we'll we'll have a little bit of a chat about But uh, yeah, I think uh, on with the cast Yeah, get the tapes ready The wearing up and we're going to go live. 27 banks in three years. Everybody's Anything to catch the perfect wave. Patrick Swayze. Man, it makes me think twice about putting money in the bank these days. So you think I joined the FBI to learn to sir? Point Break. Adios, amigo! So, George, Point Break, take us away. Point Break, for for those of you who have forgotten what it's about, plot in a nutshell. We have ex-semi-pro footballer turned FBI recruit, Johnny Utah. He's assigned on his first mission to learn to surf so he can infiltrate a group of bank robbers who call themselves the ex presidents. Makes perfect sense to me, George. First day on the job, it's FBI. It's it's quite simple, you know, it's quite straightforward in terms of, you know, what you're expecting. We're obviously going to go into the story. A lot more detail. Well, yeah. a, lot, a lot more detail. Who brought us this now-today cult classic? So, it's uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who is one of the, the greatest living and working female directors uh, of all time, not just our time. She is most famous for uh, Zero Dark 30 and The Hurt Locker for directing those two films. So she's the only woman to date to win uh, an Academy Award for Best Director. But Hollywood isn't sexist. Not, not at all. Director's Guild of America Award for Outstanding Directing, BAFTA for Best Direction and The Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Director. She's also the first woman to win the Saturn Award for Best Director for um, another great film of hers that she did back in 1995, Strange Days. I love that film. Which is, I'd recommend anyone to go and see it. It's uh, very prescient. It's a bit like an early Black Mirror episode. It's set on the eve of the millennium and it's all about the black market trade of people are recording and selling their memories. When they put the shower caps on their head, which... It's a bit like a squid type thing. And it uploads... Isn't it dreams or memories? No, no, it records your memories and then... It records your experiences. And then people are selling them on the black market because you can actually... It's all virtual reality. You can tap in and you can experience, feel what they feel, see what they see, and it becomes a bit of a... A murder mystery type thing. Who's in again? Uh, it's, got, uh, <laughs> excuse me, it's got. It's got Ray Fiennes. I'm saying because if you ever wanted to see Voldemort getting off, like like experiencing a video of a girl in the shower, this is the film for you. This is. <laughs> it's, it's probably the most diverse uh, role for from uh, Ray Fiennes and. He's a really sleazy, horrible character, but he's a very—he makes it very compelling. And with it's a very, heart of gold. With a heart <laughs> of gold. But yeah, Strange Days is is a cracking film. I say very prescient, but the one thing they didn't get right is that in the future we're going to record all our memories on mini discs. Well, I'm still using mini discs. Well, I, I still have a, a quite a varied selection of mini discs. Better quality than CD. It's so better, practical. Just never took off. It's yeah, nice it's a shame. Just, just never took off. Obviously, nowadays, seen for very thought-provoking, very hard-hitting stuff. Looking at back at Point Break, that's fairly early on in her career. But it's still one of her best-known films. And at the time, it was co-wrote and co-produced by her then-husband, a very small time director a guy called James Cameron Jimmy Cameron J- what's he ever done what, what, what's he done for us lately he was just working on a small project at the time it was called T2 T- Terminator 2 or something yeah um, which actually came out uh, the same summer I'm sure you'll yeah two weeks before this film uh, uh, this is why I just like to chip in because I always like to try and set the scene and it you back to 1991 you were listening to Guns N' Roses You Could Be Mine or the KLF mm-hmm. 3 a.m. Justified and Ancient. Or still Brian Adams. Still Brian Adams, who is still number one because. Robin Hood had been out for five weeks. So you've got to imagine people... Five had, years. Five years. It felt like five years. People were still... It was the summer. People were still going to the cinema to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, to see the late Alan Rickman, upstage Kevin Costner. They were still listening to Brian Adams pumping out. T2 had only been out for two weeks. And what happens? Point Break comes out. And the reason why we're talking about it today is because even with that sort of competition, this is a film that has clearly stood up the test of time. Yeah, it's a film that's very much of its era. Well, it's important to us, and that's why we're talking about it, right? Uh, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, how many uh, crime thriller surfing uh, action films can you name on one hand? About the same amount of films featuring FBI agents who surf. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. It's a great film. Um, obviously, yeah, it's got good background. Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron production. You know, uh, I've, I've touched on it in the past. You know, James Cameron is a great producer, as, as well as an amazing director. Yeah, It but originally it was lined up to be uh, directed by Ridley Scott, who is also from the northeast of England, like we are. Yes, that, Sir, Sir Ridders is, uh, is from South Shields, uh, so not too far away from where we grew up. Originally, the, the, the film was called simply Johnny Utah. um, I didn't know that. uh, When Keanu Reeves was cast in the title role. Focus group said no. The studio felt it said very little about surfing. So by the time Patrick Swayze came on board, uh, they renamed it Riders of the Storm, named after the classic Doors song. Couldn't get right to the song. They then realised that song had nothing to do with surfing. Um, It was all about taking heroin. Yeah, (laughs) and, and apparently it was only about halfway through filming that it became point break because that is a surfing term do you understand the surfing term of point break or am i going to explain it for our audience isn't it where the perfect point of where the wave crashes it's not actually it's much more simple it's the fact that on a coastline just where there's a bit of land that juts out because it's a point it creates a break in the waves and it creates waves. The perfect wave. So, like, there's some lovely places you can go surfing. Uh, I've only surfed once down uh, North Spain, go down to um, San Sebastian and there's two lovely little coves. Is this, is this proper surfing you're talking about or is this bodyboarding? I never really stood up. I got on, you know, like when he gets up on one knee in the film, I kind of, that's as good as my surfing just, gets. Okay. But literally the waves hit the point of the land and it creates uh, better waves in the cove. And that's... Why well, it's called a point break? Point break. Yeah, dude. Totally. Mega. Warning: Major, major use of surfing terminology <laughs> may follow. Yeah, so that's the sort of the the background. The screenplay being circling around for uh, for a few years, and then yeah, uh, Catherine Briglow got a hold of it. Shall we jump into first memories of yeah. this film? Yeah, it's 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 a weird sort of haze in terms of memories because I don't know about you, but there's something, and I. I just have this feeling that this film was referred to me, and it sounds weird to I think this film was referred to me by a lot of girls, like, namely Our Sister. I think she said, you've got to watch this film, it's amazing. And I'm like, well, you just like it because it's got Patrick Swayze and it's got Keanu Reeves. But... It seems on the surface to maybe be a chick flick, but it's not. It's. I think that was maybe a, a design to maybe get more ladies or dates into the cinema. But that's my first introduction. I felt this was introduced to me. I didn't see it in the cinema. I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. Well, I was shown this one. Probably on, too young. Yeah, I would have been like 11. So, uh, no, I mean, this was introduced to me on VHS. But when I think of Boy Break, I think this was recommended to me. Yeah, similar thing uh, with myself. I'd never heard of it like... Don't remember it coming out at, at the cinema, and it was recommended to me. I was just randomly introduced it by a, a, a friend's cousin who who was a lady, a girl, a, a, a girl. And bizarrely, uh, at the time, I remember I was going through uh, my... The only time I'd heard of um Keanu Reeves was from the Bill & Ted films. And at that time, I was going through my Bill & Ted phase where I was wearing my cap backwards with, with my fringe coming through the front, a bit like Bill. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, just, just like Bogus Journey. So, yeah, it's... Um, I remember, just, I was just like, what's this about? And then she tried to describe it to me and... Obviously, that that summary that I just gave uh, our listeners before didn't seem so ridiculous to a... a, a like, but what, an, an, how would she? A, said? A, she said it's, like it's, about, it's about surfing and bank robbers. I'm yeah, sure that's how it was yeah, She's like, wow, it, it, bank robbers and surfing. So what, are they robbing banks on surfboards? I mean, that, that's the first thing that jumps to mind. Like, how is this a bank robbing surfing film? But again, like, linking back to... I don't want to keep beating this drum about our sort of our small small village upbringing, but a bit like Predator, like seeing something as exotic as, you know, LA. A film, a film oh. in the jungle, but yeah, a film all about surfing An orange sunset, just surfing on the beaches of L.A. It was so far away from. Us. I mean, I suppose we'd had a little bit of exposure to that with. Bay- I'm assuming Baywatch was on TV around the same time. That was Baywatch sort of- was a bit later, was if, it? If I remember rightly, yeah, this was pre. Uh, well, I mean, we could check, and we'll I, I, I reckon it's around the same time. Yeah, but there was yeah there was that exotic was 90s, that exoticness, 60s. as you say, that sort of you know con- you know eternal sunset and. Amazing waves and just to saw that oh that looks amazing. This film really captures a feel for LA in terms of you've got the beaches, but it's got you've got the suburbs and stuff like that. So you know, similar to uh, Boys in the Hood, which which came out same year, same year. That whole sort of, yeah, L.A. suburbs. Um. This is a very pedestrian view of L.A. It's like, yes, you're on the beach, but you don't know where you are. And even when they're doing, you know, later on, we'll discuss it in the film. It's not shoved in your face. You, you, you assume it's California, but it's not shoved in your face, the, the skyline all the time. So I think it, it was in terms of its timing. It's, it, it's not that it's timeless, but it's, it's not date. I don't I don't think it looks too dated when you watch it when I was watching it I felt like a lot it felt a lot later in the 90s rather than 91 it, we, we joked about it that you know with each decade at the start of the decade you haven't properly escaped it's the hangover the, 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 yeah, the, yeah the hangover early yeah. 90s you hadn't properly escaped the 80s whereas this feels like a fully fledged 90s film in terms of the look, the feel, the soundtrack. I mean, yeah, it has that sort of. Yeah, it's grungy. It is. It's yeah. very nineties. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, and I think that's why it probably stands up to repeat viewings because it is a bit like a time capsule moment. But it doesn't feel sort of like shockingly bad in that in that respect. Yeah, it doesn't take you out of the film. It's it's a lovely. It, it is a lovely way to go back to that period. <laughs> Just to get started off, I will start with the credit scene because it's quite relevant, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, in in terms of when we're recording this, if you haven't heard of John Wick, Keanu Reeves is back. And it's John Wick. And the start of this film starts with Keanu Reeves in a shooting range in the FBI. And if you know anything about John Wick or what, what Keanu Reeves has done recently in terms of film, he is a complete badass in real life in a shooting range. It is insane what that man can do. He's like well, there's, there's, there's a... Uh, there's a video. Yeah, there's a video. Doing It'll be rounds. on the blog. We'll, we'll link it in the notes. And it was for the first John Wick film, and it's doing the rounds with the second one coming out. And, yes, it's it's just real-life footage of Keanu Reeves going through this gun range and completely destroying everything, being an absolute badass. And it is... Just exactly like a mirror opening of, of Point Break where Utah hundred percent Utah, yeah. And he's and he's all wet and his hair's wet and he's no, a no, no, wet no, No, he is in the gun range, it's raining and he's just I don't know. You just, know no, but I was gonna say not in the John Wick training video. No, no, I'm talking about in Point Break it's raining, so it's like it's even it's yes it's a gun range, yes it's the FBI, yes it's No it's, no but wasn't it like that it was an iconic image that of him in the rain with the, the wet t-shirt was like on chewing gum because he obviously doesn't smoke because he's Johnny Utah no but that was like an iconic image for sort of teenage girls across the land I remember seeing that poster everywhere it was like a remember kids there used to be poster shops Athena things like that movie posters and this was I mean you got Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves in a sexy poster all in one I mean it's a beautiful poster. I don't think it needs any improvement. Would you not agree? No, none at all. Not so at all. It, we've obviously got the shooting range at the beginning. It's, it's uh, juxtaposed with uh, Bodhi surfing at the same time. And when I was watching this again recently... That's clearly not Patrick Swayze, I was just going to say, when you said Bodie <laughs> surfing, I was like, what, you mean the Joker's stunt double? Patrick Swayze's stunt double is <laughs> clearly surfing. Um, well, but I, re- I, can... I really like the... Um, it's a really minor point, but I love the the credits that start of the way the, the, the two words, point break, crash together on, yeah. on, on the screen. Like, like, like so many things in this film. Slowly morph Like really a like... wave like, meeting like, the land, a or a an bit... FBI agent hmm. meeting a bank robber. Oh, my God, and falling me... in love. Well, we won't talk about uh, the the, okay. the love that dare not speak its name. It, are we sure this isn't a chick flick? <laughs> we have got Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. They're, bo- they're both so hot. Yeah, really hot. And was this? But this was post Dirty Dancing. Yes, yes. So yes. riding this, on the waves of Dirty Dancing. This is post Ghost. Post Ghost, God, yeah, that was so. So, great. so, so, so no, but, but if you think about it, Swayze, was so hot, so hot. Right I now. mean, I mean, apart from being an attractive man, he was really hot. I I, I have to say, I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time saying this, but I, I miss him. I watched this film and I was just like, oh, what an actor. I mean, stolen from us, but I mean, what an actor, really, just really charismatic, really yes. holds the screen. He really threw himself into every role. Like he, for this, he went on hundreds of skydives. Uh, I think he did learn to surf, and they realised he wasn't that good, so they got his. his, stunt his up stunt <laughs> up. But no. But uh, on the flip side, a lot of the skydiving scenes that is actually him. I can believe that, and we all know. I don't know if you've seen maybe another film that he features in, but he does all of his own martial arts. That's clear. You no, know, the weird thing is, I just remember growing up, Patrick Swayze. It's not like I had a problem with him, but every girl I knew thought he was drop-down gorgeous, and I was so far away from him. It's just like, God, I hate that guy. But now, looking back, I'm just like, God, I love that. Yeah, I mean, what an actor. What a presence. What a presence. My, my only issue with him when I was younger was I kept getting him confused with Kurt Russell. True Why st- would you tr- ever do thing. that? True story. They both had mullets, I suppose. Yeah, and they and Kurt Russell still has both of their mullets in his hair right now. Kurt Russell rocks a mullet there. He's, yeah. he's, he's in his ascendancy right now. So, uh, getting back to where we are in the film, we've got a really nice montage going on at the beginning. We're establishing very quickly because films were just generally made much more economically Mm. in terms of plot establishment. What comes next, George? Well, you've got the whole uh, introduction of the the character. So you see Johnny Utah's first day, and you get to see, you're introduced to some great supporting characters. So you've got- This is not some job flipping burgers at the local drive-in. John C. McGinley, who is his boss, the FBI boss. And this was, you know, a lot of people probably grew up watching Scrubs. And for me, this felt like it was like a, a prototype for Dr. Cox from Scrubs. This guy's an absolute dick, but he's, he's really lovable at the same time. Like, he's really slimy, he's really hateful, but you just... He's, John C. McGinley is one of those great character actors that... Everything he pops up in, he's just really, like, he makes the role his own. Well, I agree with you 110% because you know how we talked. I don't know if we, what medium we share this knowledge on, but how we talked about the John claude Van Damme cause advert. They obviously watched Hard Target and went, that's what we want. Yeah. And I get the f- I totally agree with you about Scrubs. They were like, you know what you did? In, In point break, break, can you make that a series character because C- that's can we stretch that out? It's like you damn right, punch and it's also got the the great <laughs> and just frankly batshit crazy Gary Boosie. Oh, best um, role. Best film ever. Yeah, him for him. Yeah, for him. Yeah, Such uh, a good character. I reckon it's okay. it's it's his best role, but it wasn't until I was doing research on this that um, apparently Boosie, at the his, one of his most famous roles. I mean, you and I and a lot of our audience will know him for this, for uh, for Under Siege, Predator Two, Predator Two, obviously. But one of his most famous uh, roles prior to this, was a surfing film. And it's one of the biggest surfing films of all time called Big Wednesday. And, oh, right, he, yeah. and he was a key character in that. He was one, I think, there's like a trio of characters and he's one of the three. I'm ashamed to say, and I'm pretty confident saying, neither of us have seen that film. No, but we will go um, watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as there's some car chases and ex- explosions. Explosions! But yeah, Gary Busey is, apparently he's nuts in real life, but he's brilliant in this. He really adds a... He just makes... A, a bit like John C. McGillan, he really makes the character his own. And I remember when I was watching this for the first time and um, you know, jumping straight into spoilers, I was gutted when his character's killed off. Like, I really... You f- you feel really attached to him because he... He does play a little bit of the father figure. Yeah, yeah, he's a paternal role to uh, the loose canon that is... Ex-retired... Superstar football, come superstar FBI. Could have gone pro with the amazingly named what? Johnny Utah. Hundred percent Johnny Utah. But the, the, the name is ridiculous. But if you, <laughs> it, it's based on it's based on real people. There was Johnny Unitas, uh, and there was uh, Joe Montana. So two big American football yeah. players with ridiculous names. And so when you say Johnny Utah. That's not a real name. There's, there was well. I love, I love the way they worked it into this film. Very interesting. It's like, we're going to make an FBI cop a surfer. So what? how do you connect the dots? And it's just like, well, what sort of FBI cop would you throw into this sort of project? Well, we got this one guy. This guy's got 100% Utah um, coming through the ranks and he's an ex-football star. It is it, it kind of in a 90s film kind of way. Kind of makes sense to me. Makes sense yeah, to you? Yeah, I mean... I don't care. If they can make that progression from football star to actor, you look at um, Carl Weathers, um, the, the, my friend, the actor, Carl Weathers from from the film Predator. Got yourself a stew. <laughs> got yourself a stew, babe. He was pro-footballer... Pro um, that uh, that lovely man, O.J. Simpson. They all go on to bigger things. Yeah. O.J., I mean, yeah, look I'm at him, he's big. He, he, went, he went on to big things. Getting a little <laughs> bit away from the point there. So, yeah, it, the the setup is you're seeing Johnny Utah. He's meeting his boss. You know, they L.A. has uh, the highest crime rates in, in the country or bank robbery levels in the country. It's a, it's a lot of crime. He's young, dumb, and full of cars. So many one-liners in this film. Um, and in that whole scene where... Keanu Reeves as Johnny has been walked around the office. So much happens. Yeah, so much happens. But but but, but Keanu seems so wooden. Like he's just like, oh, what do I do? (laughs) And I'm thinking that's a choice on his part. I do think he gets knocked. I'm sorry, but I mean, he's made his revival, but he got knocked a lot more. And I think Keanu's kind of he, he knows what he's doing. He's not a stupid guy. But if you look at how the character progresses from those initial scenes he starts off being all very stoic and straight-faced and he softens up and he becomes more vocal and maybe it's just spending more time with Bodhi really sort of comes out of his shell. Yeah, I think that there is a backstory there because, I mean, we're not going to delve too much into this, but let's, let's delve into the character Johnny Utah for just one second. So you're riding high, you're university number one, you're going to go to the playoffs. 100%. 100%. No, no, but I mean, as a footballer, the fact that they know him Obviously, university sports in America is much bigger. I have uh, friends and colleagues who I've worked with, university basketball and university uh, football. These are sports that people watch on TV. It's not just that they've heard about them. These are It's a very big because you are watching the future stars of tomorrow come through. And so the fact that these guys know about him, he was obviously a superstar, so your football career is over. Somehow, <laughs> you're in the FBI. So what would you expect? He's there. He's... He's trying to translate all that into his role. And no, but that's how they he gets their trust of the surface. Whereas if it was in today's society, oh yeah, you're that ex pro footballer and go on LinkedIn. Oh, he's not a lawyer, he's an FBI yes. agent. <laughs> um, the one thing the FBI didn't think of. Didn't see it coming. Well, yeah, I mean I liked that comment. I didn't think it would scupper the entire <laughs> investigation. Yeah, you've got that initial sort of piano Johnny Utah being familiarized with the case, him getting to know Angelo Pappas, you know, Gary Busey's character. Great name. And there's that amazing, amazing rant from Gary Busey of... Hey, watch your mouth. Maybe you ought to just take some early retirement right now and get some rent cop night security job. Tell Nam stories. Listen, you those little shit! I was taking a and Kesson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face! That scene, because maybe they repeat it later in the film, but that scene when they're going through the car wreck and like, they are ghosts. I mean, yeah. he's kind of setting up the film. You know, he's yeah. like saying, I think they're surfers. This is why I think it. Yeah. I mean, they're in a burnt out car, the remnants of the last robbery. Angelo's pitching his belief in a true, you know, Maverick Cup way. Mm. Everybody else thinks one thing, but I think they're surfers. And it's a very slow introduction into the film because you're watching this film and you're seeing the surface. you're seeing them arrive at the FBI, you're seeing them investing in your own, you're like, well, how are these two going to tie together? You know, and it's it's laying the it's, ground, it, groundwork the it, well. It's a good bonding moment, and that uh, leads on to uh, what I've got. They're back at the office, it's late at night, and Pappas is taking them through his his surfing theory. And we are bombarded with a um, huge amount of product placement. Sorry, you know, sorry drink, Corona. D- the debriefing, they're surrounded by Corona, as you've picked up on. There's a bottle of Jack Daniels randomly in the corner. they uh, cops, they uh, drink. Uh, Papa's, <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, going on from like minutes before... John C. McGillingly saying, you know, we're the best of the best. We don't, you know, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't do anything. And then, yeah, cut to sort of, you know, 10 minutes later, got a bottle of Jack. Then at one point, I've, <laughs> I made a note and said, they're surrounded by a cage of Coronas. Yeah. There's Coronas everywhere in that shot. Then you've got uh, Pappas talking about the sex wax. He even holds up the, the product. He holds up sex wax. And then there's a bit where um, John C., the great FBI boss, goes... I was doing this before you were popping sits and joking off to the lingerie section in the Sears magazine, and you know Sears paid for that. Possibly? I'm pretty (laughs) damn sure they did. Does either one of you have anything even remotely interesting to tell me? I've just, i just, I just keep writing down like all. There's so many like lines in this film, like where he goes. Quotables. This this film is full of quotables. Like when he goes to pick up his first uh, surfboard and it's like the the little kid is like. Surfing's a source. Change your life. I swear to God. I swear. <laughs> swear, dude. There's so much surfer terminology in this. Like, but isn't that uh, you know when we did uh, Starship Troopers. We we talked about how anybody doesn't kind of get Starship Troopers, and I think a lot of people agree with this, they don't get the satire. Mm. And isn't, isn't that a little bit of satire? Like, the fact that the amount of surfer speak in this was like... I think it was kind of like who respected. I think it was Bigelow saying, it is a language. They do talk like that, yeah. because when I was surfing down in mm. north of Spain and kneeling on my board... Bodyboarding. Anybody who... It wasn't bodyboarding. Body, <laughs> anybody who was English-speaking, there is a language. It's like, I mean, it's not called my first tube today, but there is a language. and I think that's why there's so much of it in the film. And they pick up on that. They're like a tribe. They all hover there in the waves, waiting for the perfect moment. And, I mean, you even see it at, like, at skateboard parks and, you know... It's real. And there's that great line that, I can't remember exactly, but Keanu says it. It's like, you know, come on, surfing's for little rubber people who don't shave yet. Yeah, exactly. It's for kids. So he he goes to learn to surf, he makes a nightmare of it, and uh, we are introduced to... Oh, wait, it's sexy man-child Laurie Patty. (laughs) She's sexy, I'm just not entirely sure why. She she looks a bit like a a teenage small boy, but (laughs) for some reason you know, credit to Catherine Bigelow. The, the way the camera lingers on her, there's a certain um, moment where she's changing out of her beach shorts using a towel. It's the classic Brits on the Beach. It's um, what all guys do. That's why the thing you think she's such a tomboy because she's doing something that all us guys struggle it's all with. all us Brits on the Beach do, you know, taking your trunks off but putting your pants on with a towel. Can, nobody can see us naked. But Laurie Putty does it, you know, so smoothly super and, and super sexy. But yeah, she, she does look like a a teenage boy. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. I, I don't know. just sweating yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um but Laurie uh, Laurie Petty, uh went on to do such films as um um Tank, Tank Girl, Time Girl, Tank Girl um, and Free Willy, I think she was in. She's in Free Willy. Pretty Willy. Okay. So yeah, she's the 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 one female role in this in this film. Yeah, pretty, this is like I mean, well. we did Predator in our last episode. I mean, she's got a bit <laughs> more to do than the female, the token female role in Predator, and she's a she's a pivotal role. But she's kind of passed around. She's you know she's she used to she, she, she used to be with Bodie. Yeah, she used to be with Bodie Now she's with Utah. Bodhi's not first in the slightest. And then she's kind of just that. The you know the trophy that she's a bit know. of furniture. I mean, some could argue that there are. I mean, obviously they're not. But if you wanted to dig really deeply and get all Freudian, you could say, well, the only reason goes, they're attracted to us because she looks like a small boy. No, I wasn't going to go down that road. Not now, at least. No, no it's the fact that the most homoerotic thing about this film is that even though Bodie and Johnny don't get it on, they've both been with the same girl. Maybe that's the only... I mean, this is the 90s. It's not like they could have a moment together. No, no, not at all. And, like, just, you know, just imagine, saying, Bodie, you've got some sand on your face. Wow, you've, you've, you've shaved today. Yeah. You're really soft, and suddenly you need to get out of those wet clothes. I don't know, I don't know. Characters established, George. You know, but but you plot next. No, no, you've got all these characters established, but it's only until. You know, after a surfing montage of John Utah learning how to surf, you know, jumping up on the board with, you know... Uh, and it's a proper montage with a, a hit grunge song. Can I just point out of this, if you ever question how good of an actor Keanu Reeves is, he was an amazing surfer before he made this film. And he really pulls off looking like a beginner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but it's not until that we see uh, our first glimpse of the Swayze, or or his stuntman. We we're not sure who. We don't um, care. They have grey hair. Yeah, so uh, he's quickly, you know, he meets the Bodhi and his group of surfers, and they don't like him. You know, he's a lawyer. He's corporate. Ooh, he's an outsider. Oh, wait, he can play football. Yeah, good job. You're one of us. Uh, and, yeah, they they quickly accept him once they realise that he's an American football hero. I just love the fact that, like, if you look at Bodie's character, yes, he's a surfer doesn't believe in violence unless he's, you know, shooting off-duty cops. He hates violence, sorry. But he's got time to stay on top of college football. He knows who Johnny Utah is. They all do. They, they, they all do. do. It's like, they are a hero, hero man. No, it was the fact they recognize him. Really? I mean, I can, I can get with the idea that they might know his name. But, I mean, he has to be a real stato to know that that is Johnny Utah. But maybe it's because of his performance, because, I mean, there's some great night football... In the water, what guys jumping yeah, on each yeah, other? It's yeah. just it's not it's not, gay. It's no, not gay. No, I I love the uh, the bit where they yeah just before they sort of it tumble into the water and embrace. Yeah, race. yeah <laughs> so he's chasing after him, and they're running along the beach, and then yeah, miles away from the water, miles away, <laughs> and then the next cut, they are in the like they are properly diving in. It's like hang on, you weren't anywhere, anywhere near the tide. Yeah, he's got a good reach. So yeah, that that's that that's their bonding session. But then they get uh, into more bonding. So there's, he's still sounding out Bodhi, he's still looking, you know, Trying to identify the uh... don't know who the bank robbers are. Yes, is it Bodie and his mates or is it the Red Holly, Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> you mean uh, back off, War Child? Seriously. <laughs> so yeah, you've you've got that scene where he he meets this other gang. That they're, they're definitely they're definitely the bank robbers. They're so bloody evil. Yeah, you've got that that first. Uh, I think that's the first sort of action scene. I suppose. Yes, I, but that's where Swayze shows his Roadhouse roots. I can do a roundhouse like that. In a wetsuit, and, uh, but I uh, don't. I hate violence. Yeah, but to? because then he Swayze launches into his philosophical chats, and um, gotta love those. And this is something that was pointed out to be uh, by uh, by uh, one of our dear listeners, uh, Steve Ipond, who's who said, uh, "Have you ever noticed the way that?" Patrick Swayze takes tiny steps and, <laughs> and and it's and it's when he's having this philosophical chat after the fight oh yeah they're walking along with the surfboard yeah maybe. they're working, and, and, and Patrick Swayze and he does this in Dirty Dancing as well Patrick Swayze has really little tiny steps it's like he's always dancing and it's uh, so he's always <laughs> dancing but you know um Imagine if a little bell was ringing every time you walked. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just just think about that. Every, when the, when they're walking back to their cars, just just check out uh, Swayze's little tiny it's steps. Not short legs. The tiny steps. He, he just he, he just has little tiny steps. And then we were quickly launched into. Bodhi's party, which is in true uh, movie fashion, is like no the best a, party in the world, the best, ever. The best party in the world. there's someone breathing fire. There's a the hot chick doing weird dancing. They're having great chats on the beach. And there's then, fires. And then everything. they suddenly decide to go surfing, and the guy that he's only known for five minutes suddenly offers him like an amazing black surfboard that he's got hanging on the wall. Yep. And oh, I'm sorry, am I skipping ahead? Because no, no, there no. is an amazing. <laughs> Drop down into the pit. It's 25 feet straight down in your balls. Man, your balls are about this big. How many people have not wanted to be sat around a campfire on a beach in California, having some guy go nuts explaining about the... Divinity of surfing. I mean, that's a well, great a, scene. Apparently, um, a lot of actors uh, introduced into that. No, uh, but, character actors. No, no, but no, a couple of the the guys in the the ex-presidents. You know that guy, Grommet. Your balls this big, and the other guy with the goatee. They were actually professional surfers, um, but acted in their spare time. Yeah, and it kind of shows in some ways. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was going to put up. I was like, I'm not sure. That whole thing, that thing where he goes nuts and he's like, yeah, and like the wave comes over, and like, This is so believable because this guy kind of just looks like a dick, you know. He's like, and it's like, no, he's just a bad actor. He's not a dick. (laughs) No, he's he's both. He's both. (laughs) But yeah, you've got the night surfing scene, which uh, I'm pretty sure was clearly shot uh, in the day, and they've just added a blue. blue There's a weird thing. There's a weird effect to that, isn't it? Yeah, I think they've clearly filmed it sort of James Cameron maybe at at, at six o'clock in the after on a summer evening, and just added a a nice yeah James Cameron blue filter to it there's there is some uh, some 90s moments i noticed in keanu and uh, johnny utah's apartment he's got black sheets I was like is it the 90s or is he just a porn star who has black sheets i don't know i don't know i mean ugh, who I does I, I, that yeah, i just thought that was very 90s-esque speaking of that scene where he's lying in bed looking so buff so buff. and he's got uh tyler Great first name for a girl who's definitely not a guy. Yeah. Give her a guy's name. Laurie Petty. Yeah, so, but he's lying there. I am such a geek for saying this, but I'm sure we see exactly the same scene in Matrix Reloaded where he's lying in bed and he's got Trinity lying across him. It's totally (laughs) (laughs) bollocks. And it's his, this is my thinking scene. This is, yeah. This This is me thinking. Anyway. Black satin, if you live in the 90s, if you're still in the 90s, get yourself some black Mm. satin. Check it out. (laughs) Um, So I think we're um, careening. Um, We're taking uh, a big, fat tube into... The first hit on Warchild and his crew. Yes, yeah, the and with the uh, that's it is a cracking scene. I, I don't know what it. There's something I look forward to it because he turns up late. Yes, it's after Bodhi's party. Everybody can relate to this. Maybe you're not an FBI agent. Maybe you're not an undercover FBI agent. But we can all relate to having to do something really important at work. Hmm. And still going out and getting shit faced the night before. Yeah. Because that's what I relate to. He like, turns up late, he's tucking his shirt in. It's it, 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 his, his big project. It, it, it's his thing yeah. that they've had to get investment from. Everybody else is in play. But the, the thing I like about that scene, has got a great sense of geography. You've got the guys around the back, you've got uh, Pappas out the front, and the camera's just. Back front, back yeah, front, yeah, back it, front. And it's really tightly edited, and I think that's what. It's the one thing out of. Bigelow's work that you know if you look at Point Break and you look at Hurt Locker or Zero Talk 30 they are completely different films and I think people would be surprised if they didn't know but if you look at the editing in the action it's that's where they share that, that that DNA that that chemistry and you look at how tight the the action is the the editing on that that house raid on the the foot chase and a lot of the a, a lot of the action is very tight. It's all very well choreographed. It's got very up close, and it's really it's really involving. Well, I mean, for me, what I, I agree that as I say this is one of my one of the highlights of the film, and obviously it's designed that way. It's a set piece. But looking back, the fact that looking at the history, Bigelow, Cameron, Darren Item, he's an executive producer. This scene, the reason why I like it so much, and I'd be interested to see what you think about this. It reminds me so much of Terminator 2. There's something about this scene, and obviously... And also the, the, well, it's also the foot chase the which, which we will also get to. The, the house raid. Yeah, the house raid. This this scene, but it's it's the, the, the look and feel of the house is very similar to the look and feel of the house in T2 where John Connor is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, I mean, obviously, this, these films have come out within weeks of each other. Bigelow and Cameron are a thing. I don't know. There's just something, There's some. the DNA has been passed across from mm-hmm. one film to the other, maybe even subconsciously. But I see in both the foot chase in this film, which we're obviously going to get to, and this scene, I don't know. There's just a, it's it's an LA 90s yeah, feel. I, I, I'd say yeah, it yeah, definitely ties in with the T2 with uh, definitely with Boys in the Hood, with those LA suburbs and the back streets, the little sort of uh, cut-throughs, alleyways and things like that. But yeah, that is a, a great scene, even if it does have... The token sort of there's a hot chick having a shower, but mm-hmm. the I suppose the the interesting twi- twist is that the the hot naked chick in the shower beats the crap out of Keanu Reeves. That's hilarious. So um, so yeah, I that's a good fight scene. Yes, it's, it's a good. Fight. And then you've got the uh, face being pushed into the the lawnmower, which almost is almost horror. Yes, yeah, like is it going to happen? And War Child looking like a pig making noises like a pig and accusing the pigs of being pigs. I mean, am I reading too much into that? It's it's weird. It's like, I watched that scene, I'm just like, after the loma, it's like, pig, pig, pig. (laughs) Um, One uh, point, um, you mentioned uh, one of War Child's gang is none other than uh, Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And apparently he missed all the he didn't turn up for any of the, like, stunt training, so that's why he went out like a punk in each scene. So on the beach fight, he's taken out with one punch, and then I think that's why he ends You're up shooting, shooting, himself shooting himself in the foot. Literally shooting himself in the foot. Alan! <laughs> I'll put my foot on, his spine. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry, can't, can't resist. But yeah, I mean, we've already uh, touched on the fact that yeah, Bigelow really captures the the feel for LA um, and the, and its geography. I think you, we can't sort of touch on, again, sort of another sort of character actor that's a very brief cameo. The undercover DEA agent, none other than Tom Sizemore. Oh, uh, he's so angry. Do you think I like this Herman? man? It, it's like him and Bill Paxton. When they turn up in films, it's like, you know you're going to get this... amazing performance for like a few minutes you know and like it's it's great you enjoy it every time it's it's a minor note in terms of the whole film but it's just a nice little uh, pop up uh, to see Tom Sizemore turn up Uh, and then I think we pretty much go on to the moment, the the sort of the light bulb moment for Utah, when he discovers that Bodie and Co are the ex-presidents, and it's uh, it's when he goes surfing with them, and one of them moons whilst surfing, takes and down his shorts. He takes down his shorts and shows his ass, and he just has that big revelation. <laughs> and I've got uh, I've <laughs> made a point saying, is this the first time that a mooning was a plot twist? I never forget a man's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was him. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's sort of like you, it was you. you but, but wait a minute. I know that I, ass. I've seen that ass before. Because I could remember how this played out, and I was like, oh, yeah, he works <laughs> it out because he shows his ass. And this is the beauty of nostalgia of me not remembering it. But for some reason, I thought that when you see that scene, when he pulls down his shorts, that he... I think had, you're going to say, I'm the same. I thought the same thing. That he had the same thing written on his yeah. ass. So what yeah, is thank it? you thank you that he has in the bank <laughs> robber but he doesn't he doesn't he just he just recognizes the ass he's just like that's a great ass oh my god I felt the same way the first time I saw that security video <laughs> I've watched that security video so many times So then we go to the stakeout at the bank. Can I just mention, just because it is in between these two scenes and I have made a note of it, it's the little bit of comic relief we get whenever they go back to the CIA, sorry, the, CIA the FBI, because you've got John C. McGinn. Is, it, it is McGinn. Yeah, yeah, John C. McGinn. He's just going... We've invested in you doing this, you've been learning to surf, and he does what I love. even We We still use it. We quote it all the time, like when I couldn't find something for George recently. Let me tell you what you've produced. Over the last two weeks, you two have produced exactly squat! Squat! I think it's a good sign of this is a film that there's moments where it needs to be serious, and, but it realises that the audience, even today, you know, you've seen a lot of the, the films that are coming out today, everybody still recognises the need for comic relief, whether it's a horror mm. or a serious action thriller. You know, people need... You need to, you know, chill well, out just yeah, for a moment. It seems like John C. McGuinness gets angrier and angrier, and it's right. John I mean, Utah gets, you know, more and more sort of relaxed. The thing I've noticed, before The Amazing Foot Chase, you've got the stakeout out at the bank. And let's be honest... They're both terrible FBI agents. Neither of them are paying attention when the gang actually turn up. Yep. You've got Pappas, who's reading the, he's reading the papers. Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> and you've got Utah, who's buying some, some sandwiches, some meatball sandwiches. But is that just bigelow trying to convince us that these are just normal cup sort of things i I don't want to stake out for all uh, those hours it it makes it kind of more realistic i I, I suppose it is just a a sort of it's an economic way of saying well let's not have the the bank face off yet they've got obviously got a scene later down the line of the bank set robbery we've got to catch them in the act sort of you know getting away from it but i just thought yeah they're just really bad, you know. They're, they're doing a stakeout, and neither of them uh, notice that until it's too late that the a random car's pulled up. But then we launch into the foot chase, and it's such a great scene. I think it's best one, foot chase it's, ever. It's, it's got to be up there. I mean, it's. What well, name a better one? Well, the only thing, I, the only one I can think of is. Um, that doesn't involve CGI. Uh, well, that's it. That's I mean, Casino it's Casino Royale. Yeah, Casino Royale. Casino Royale it's is the a, only thing that comes hot, close. Hot Fuzz, and it's just doing it as a homage. Hot it? Fuzz is a homage to Point Break. Yeah. Casino Royale is amazing, but I'm sorry, James Bond is on a different level to all other films. It is, it is. It's like it's, no, that, but, that is an amazing film. But if if you look at the rawness of this scene in terms of they had... And it's like, the 90s. And they, they rigged up some, like, sort of random sort of experimental camera rig of this guy sprinting down the streets after Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze's stuntman. And (laughs) And it is actually... I, I read into this. Apparently, Patrick Swayze was... Busy doing the, uh, on the pr- promo tour for Ghost, doing all the promotions for Ghost in Japan. So he wasn't available. So the guy in the Ronald Reagan mask was actually Patrick Swayze's stunt double. Patrick Swayze was not present at all during the whole entire foot chase scene. you just ruined that Apart scene. Apart from, obviously, they yeah, would have <laughs> inserted his dreamy blue eyes at yeah, the scene for that, 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 that close-up. But yeah, amazing you, amazing. you feel like you're on the cusp. I mean, they're going over fences, they're going through doors, there's the crazy woman that's hitting him with the hoover. And he throws a dog at him at some point, he throws garden equipment at him. It's so... Is it—is visceral the word? I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it feels like such a long scene, but I think it's only something... Oh, it's, it's, less, it's less than two minutes. I think this is, once again, our memories playing tricks on us because we remember this for what it means... I think, in its entirety to the story. It's it's a turning point. Mm. It's a massive turning point. And it's also showing that both of them are dedicated to their causes, that Patrick Swayze is dedicated to getting away with it. And that Johnny Utah is dedicated to getting to his man. And where do they meet? They meet with, I don't know, just this, as the credits do at the beginning, they just, they clash, he drops, he falls, he could take him out. But but then it, it, it links into the ludicrous backstory of him being a football player, him busting his knee. And, Convenient and and it also leaves us with one of the greatest firing your gun in the air and screaming moments as as referenced in Hot Fuzz. I love that in Hot Fuzz. Have um, you ever fired a... your gun in the air and gone ah ar, <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant though, but it, I mean, it's not a chick flick. This is when it stops being a chick flick. This is a buddy movie. But also to uh, again to touch back on Terminator Two, it's that storm drain. It's that you know you, yeah. you half expect the the lorry to come plowing down. <laughs> oh, Arnie Arnie on a bike, my <laughs> <laughs> just just when Patrick Swayze thinks he's got away from joining Utah, <laughs> the T one thousand turns up. No, it, 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 Arnie, recycling by, Come on, homos, hurry up! <laughs> Stupid goalie man. This isn't the Predator. No, sorry. Right. We said yeah. no, more oh, no, no more Arnie. No more Arnie. Not okay. for. At least a month. Okay. We get to see some more. Uh, following the uh, Swayze getting away, we get the, you know the gang by the, the campfire saying we should just kill him. But you get some great monologuing, philosophical monologuing from Swayze. Us against the system. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something to those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins. We show them that the human spirit is still alive. Truly philosophical bank, bank robbers, bank surfers. surfers. Well, I think it's just Bodhi. But then shit gets weird because it, they do that whole thing. Do you want to come parachuting with us, even though that you're the cop we're and you were the, the bad yeah. Very weird. But it leads to uh, some amazing cinematography, I think the, I don't think I've seen any better films capture the, I'm going to say, beauty and uh, majesty of skydiving. It's, I think the skydiving scenes are longer than the foot chase. The film does really linger on them, but there's some amazing cinematography. Oh, there are amazing scenes, and it makes you want to skydive. It makes... I mean, apart from making you want to be Patrick Swayze, but it's beautifully short. Great, these, it's a great soundtrack as great, well. Great, great... Yeah, great music while it's happening, and it's also very subtle how you don't realise... I don't think you realise this on the first viewing, but you realise that... Obviously, all of this is going on. You forget that there's obviously a cameraman. Like, one of the skydivers is the cameraman, and there's actually not just one, that there's four of them, and that they've got to shoot it in a certain way where the cameramen aren't caught in the scene. It's so complicated, and And, you don't uh, work any of that out until after you've watched it. And the scene is for longer than two minutes, and they're... Free fall would probably last shorter than thirty seconds. Yeah, I mean, depends. I don't know how much money they are, uh, how how high they went up, but it's it's just uh, what strikes me about that scene is the chemistry between all of them. It's all it's all mixed up. Mm. It's like what's going on. It's like a really weird game of poker going on. It's like who's going to break first? And oh yeah, and, and who will they have the whole thing with uh, who's pack two shoots and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, they do that. No, take this one, take yeah. this one, and it's. It, it reminds me, it's very much of its era where the uncertainty and tension is played out through dialogue, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like what they're all thinking and feeling on the plane is like they all know who yeah. he is and he kind of knows who they are. And the way they do it is that whole thing of passing the no, shoot. You shouldn't trust me. He shouldn't trust me and he shouldn't trust me and he ends up in the same position that he was in. Yeah before, so that's great and then, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say in that. but I, all I can remember about watching this film is, it's the one thing I went back to when I was talking about before, about how Bodhi deplores violence and that's why he's just got tyler tied up with some really weird guy psychopath yeah. no, I, I i've i noticed this because um, it really dates the film that his insurance policy he has to like hey johnny come and see this into the back of the van and you ring up he's got like the massive monitor and vcr player it's like a tv crew well, van yeah <laughs> but imagine like and, now i've got and, this on my phone yeah well that's <laughs> it You know, you just say Hey mate, look at my phone. It's a picture. It would yeah. just be like, have oh, you? See, oh, you just text it to him. Yeah, <laughs> Snapchat. You actually wouldn't even need to go the whole skydiving thing. I mean, wouldn't have to go to that added expense. Because that is the weird thing. Why do they take him skydiving? I think they're they're fucking with him. Do you think that's what it is? They, I mean, think... they, they want they want him to think. Because that's the question that I thought Watching this again because, is because. want he knows he loves him. He loves him in a special way. In a special way. But it is a weird thing because. I don't know if you are aware of the costs involved. I mean, obviously, these are bank robbers. They have lots of cash. It ain't cheap. No, you know, it's so a plane. It's, a, it's an expensive and... example to make. So, was it all just to get his like head all messed up and then show him this like really, really? Well, Swayze says he knows exactly what to do with this guy. You know, yeah. he he knows what he's doing. He's a man in control. He's a, he's a man in in charge of his life. But do you think he did it? He's like. I think this guy kind of likes me. If we go skydiving, he's gonna totally want me. And if I can get his girlfriend out the picture, then you know, all all roads lead to Rome. Love games. So we're moving into the third act now, George. What's what's worth pointing out? What's what's well, what sticks in your memory? Well, you've got the 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 heist. I suppose that's a, another great. In terms of it, it's, I wouldn't say it's an action. Scene, it's a great scene of tension because. There, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what he's obviously. Utah's put into it um, against his own will. He hasn't got a mask. He hasn't got any bullets. And you're thinking, what's going to happen? They, what do, how does he feel about not wearing a mask and going to a bank robbery? I mean, how how would you say he designs? I am an FBI agent. Some of the best delivery ever from Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I love him. And I respect I, him, but I love that scene. And I think uh, Swayze just retorts with, <laughs> in it Rare <laughs> um, Total surface speak. And, uh, and I'm sure you've uh, you mentioned this to me in the past. It is just like, you know, with the whole undercover off-duty. Oh, I'm a cop. I'm a cup. The microphone's really close to everybody. It's really capturing a I situation. don't know if that's a, a 90s thing or an 80s thing, but do you not get the feeling. It's, it's the thing that I noticed, I, I failed to mention it about when we're talking the shooting range it's like uh the only other film i can really think of is that uh, captures the sound so well is heat is the sound of the gunshots yeah it's and that, really, I really I, my mouth can't replicate it it's really raw it's really loud and it, it does, sounds far away but also at the same time right next to you yeah if it does feel like yeah i think raw is, is the term i'd use So, yeah, that whole bank robbery scene, they're against the clock, they're breaking their rules, something is going to go wrong. But it's it's being fed to you. Yeah. It's like, so we're going to take Johnny Utah with us, and then he starts mixing it up. And, like, the only reason you've done 27 robberies in three years is because they never the formula but and it's w- like, well, why does Brody break the formula is it is it is it love i think it's love i think it's he wants to impress Johnny i think it's that but i mean obviously in the film they tell you it's because this is the last one last job cuz that's what they're talking about in the fire scene before. yeah this is one last job and then they're off because then they're done for summer yeah no not just done for summer i think this is different because i think what they're trying to say, what they what they're saying around the fire And why the others are saying we should should kill him is the fact that they've got an FBI agent in their ranks who's got underneath their skin, who's been surfing with them, who knows how everything works. And they're like, they're not going to... Because in the beginning, Busey's character, Angelo, explains that they rob banks and then they... Disappear. Then they disappear. And then they come back and they rob banks. And I think that's the point of the conversation around the fire is... This guy knows everything. I mean, Bodhi, he's practically slept with you. <laughs> <laughs> and Bodhi just looks off into the distance. And so I think that's why Bodhi goes nuts, because yeah. he's like, I can't believe I let my guard down. and I fell in love. With I you. fell in love with Johnny Utah's amazing... American, Endangering the mission. I've endangered the mission with my love for him. And that's why it's like, let's change everything. Let's go to... The- we never go to the vault! It's going be a little hard to play FBI now, though, huh? Can we just get the goddamn money and get out of here? Nobody move! Heads <laughs> down, eyes down! I'm gonna ask you a question because I'm not actually sure. Is Grommet, the other surf you know, your balls are this big, is he Bodie's brother? Because when he gets shot, he's like, come on, little brother, come on. Is that just a term of affection, or because? Me, he, for me, surfer terms. I don't know if you've read it. But he, I mean, but, but it really hits him that the, that surfer dying really sort of affects bodie Do you reckon it's on a deleted scene somewhere? I don't know. I just I've always. Yeah, but maybe that. there's a line. Maybe yeah. there's a line somewhere. Yeah, just like when we were younger. Maybe or maybe, maybe. we're reading too much. Maybe, into it. maybe. The only other thing I want to mention is when. Uh, uh, Utah's been knocked out, he's been arrested by the FBI. And John C. his his uh, boss half, turns up and Paps is like, Get him out of there. And uh, and he's like, I know something you don't know. And John C. McGinley comes out with a line, Why don't you astonish me, shit face? <laughs> <laughs> um, he is awesome. In this, uh, him and Angelo, the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. Probably caught on this, uh, one of the, the most recent time I saw this, but the, the fact that he calls the plane Air Force One, I thought it was a nice little trick. Oh, because of the president. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, That's why I said that. Oh, I saw you did that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the uh, the whole sort of face-off in the plane... Before uh, Swayze makes his farewell and jumps the out The Russian there. roulette. Yeah. You want me so bad. It's like <laughs> acid in your <laughs> mouth. Oh, my God. George, let's not talk about that because that could be misconstrued in so many, yeah. so many beautiful ways. So many beautiful ways. So as I say, uh, I said earlier, Swayze did his, uh, his own skydiving sense. And in that scene where he jumps out the side of the plane, that's him at, jumping out of a real plane. Love it. So the whole point with Utah chasing after Bodie without a parachute was um, was tested. There's the D- Discovery Channel show Mythbusters. But uh, well, you can clearly see that the guy chasing after Swayze has a parachute. No, no, there's, well, there's not that. They, um, they determined they wouldn't have been able to free-fall for 90 seconds, as in the film. Nor, a bit like my point about my sort of... Film logistics, which I've pointed out in Face Off and Predator, they wouldn't be able to hold a conversation in midair but they did determine on, on Mythbusters it is true that by streamlining his body uh, Utah could have conceivably caught up with Bodhi after jumping from the plane so why well, by... are you trying to tell me you've never seen Octopussy uh, have <laughs> I ever seen Octopussy of... that's what he does it's yeah. like if I ever fall out of a plane and I need to catch hang up with on. somebody I'm... hang on are you saying that Octopussy has l- paved the way for? basically for there's, the way a di- there's a direct link between the two oh, I'm glad to Somebody's made that point. So, yeah, you've got that whole... Uh, I mean, we're, we're pretty much skipping to the end, aren't we? So, I mean, that's pretty much the climax, because, like, every, we've had the death of Angelo, like, with the nastiest of Bodhi's crew turning taking out the, our favourite kind of... Uh, father figure. Father figure uh, buddy of Johnny Utah. It's like, everybody's been cancelled out. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it is... It's kind of where he lands. He has to make the big choice... Tyler's release. Bust his knee again. Yeah, I mean, nothing else happens. Oh no! Wait a minute. There is the scene which, judging by hairstyles, was obviously filmed before. Am I right? I oh, know. No, no. Or was he wearing a wig? Well, no, I... Sorry, like, we're talking about the scene in Bell's Beach. I of, I've, of <laughs> I thought that they've swapped haircuts because they miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> so... Bod- it's uh, like so, so coping so jo- with loss. Yeah, so, so Bodie's cut off his locks and he looks like Johnny, and Johnny's grown his hair because he wants to be a bit like Bodie. You just, know what? That's so... It's, it's probably true. It's probably true. But my quote... And, case- and it shows the passage of time. My one question about that scene is, I don't know about anybody else, but in my book, a storm that big, it normally lasts for a few days. How did he get him on the right day? I mean, well, I think the answer is dramatic. Or is it poetic license? Poetic. But I always disagree on this. It's, uh, dramatic license, poetic justice. Poetic justice <laughs> and dramatic license. Beach but justice. Beach, it's definitely beach justice. And the great little one to... Johnny's been beaten in the fight, but he's handcuffed him. And how did he learn to handcuff him so quickly? Well, that's the other film that we haven't seen, which is, you know point broke back hey, well, mountain well that, that that could be like a a bit like a Star Wars sort of inter-episode prequel where he learns how to like handcuff people but he spends the entire film learning how to do it that would be a great film let me get this straight the FBI is going to pay me to learn how to handcuff people really quickly exactly Johnny <laughs> it's a prequel it'll come, It'll all make yeah. sense but when will <laughs> I have to use it well, you never know You never even know. in water so yeah we've I think we where, where do we how do we finish this I mean this is is a film that we've grown up with we've watched, I mean that's why obviously it's a retro ramble film because we've grown up with it it means a lot to us and I think it means a lot to all of you in that it what, is a great film, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable film to go back and re-watch again and again. I think it's it's an important point and we, we have touched on it is it's about Keanu Reeves Apparently, I was, uh, I was listening to the Nerdist podcast about this. They were interviewing Keanu Reeves for, for John Wick, and he revealed that Catherine Bigelow actually like, fought really hard to get him cast in the film, that she was adamant that he had to be the role. And there is it, no other surfer, dude. But if you look at his career, no Johnny Utah, you would have never had his role in Speed, you never would have had The Matrix, and you would have never had John Wick. And so it's it's a really pivotal film for his career. Like before then, he was seen as totally com- about ages. Yeah, he was seen as comic relief, but this film made him a credible action star, and that has yeah it has changed the the face of his career. And you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea. I can understand that. Who um, are the, who are these people? Um, wouldn't he sh- you should listen to uh, he does he does two different podcasts with the Nerdist for for both well John Wick and John Wick Two. And he's actually a really animated, really funny guy. From well, that interview on Empire recently, he's—he just, I mean, obviously he's promoting films. He seems just so charismatic. He, he seems like a legend. Gung ho about everything he does. Like you can see the fighting scene, the the footage we've seen in the preparation for John Wick. This is a guy who maybe he has got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder maybe he did come through the Bill and Ted and was like look you're just a good looking (laughs) you know you're just a guy who's like played Bill and Ted he's like no I'm I'm a serious actor but the amount of effort he puts into his roles. He's always put into his role. The if, Matrix. If you look, I mean, they did like six months of training or something yeah. for The Matrix. The Matrix is insane. You and I both dabbled with our foxy boxing. We both did some taekwondo. We're, we're, we're familiar with what's involved in training. To do what he does in The Matrix in six months mm. is amazing. And to do what he does in the shooting range and preparation and all that, this is a guy, he is not Tom Cruise, but I think he if he approaches each project like Tom Cruise, but I don't think he needs to be as big a star as Tom Cruise yeah. needs to be. Well, I think... And that's the point he makes in this podcast. He said he... It's not down to... It's, it's basically the stories that interest him. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's down to that would be a lot of fun to make rather than, oh you know... I'm, but he, he says he's also looking to, like, do different things in terms of... He said he, he'd love to do, like, a musical and stuff like that. And it's just like... But he's, yeah, he's he's quite a, a one-of-a-kind But I think this leads on to perfectly for. uh, Coulda woulda shoulda is where we explore the other actors who were considered for the roles. So for Point Break, Coulda woulda shoulda. So so this is for the role of of Johnny Utah. So Matthew Broderick. Oh my god, Ferris Bueller, the one and only. Johnny Depp. Oh, interesting. Johnny Depp in the 90s. Val Kilmer. Well, would have been good, ski surfing, uh, and Charlie Sheen. But the most left field of all, which the most was, hilarious. Come on, George, well, hit me with it. You've I, been I, laughing about I, this whole, <laughs> all day. I can't get my head around this. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> my name is Johnny Utah. Willem Dafoe I, and Patrick I Swayze. Am FBI agents. Imagine Willem Dafoe and Patrick Swayze doing this film. Terrifying. No, but it would have been really weird because. Patrick Swayze would have been young. Well, no, but no, Willem Dafoe would have been quite young. I think then. Willem Dafoe's always been old. Yeah, he's got that sort of face. But well, bizarrely, I was watching uh, John Wick uh, again the other night, and Willem Dafoe's in that. He's one of his, like, uh, assassin buddies. Uh, I think, correction, Willem Dafoe's the only reason there's a John Wick, too. Willem Dafoe saves his ass yes, in John Wick like, like times. Like, like, at least two or three times in that film, and doesn't. Doesn't really. It doesn't all go go according to plan. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out is, apparently, there's an on-running, ongoing show in LA, Point Break Live, where the role of Johnny Utah is played by a member of the audience chosen by popular acclamation. After a brief audition, the new Johnny Utah reads all of his or her lines from cue cards for the duration of the show. What's the entire film? Yeah, the the entire film is acted out on stage. Oh, my God. And the, the the person who's, yeah, from the audience is reading from cue cards to capture the rawness of a Keanu Reeves performance, even from those who generally don't think themselves capable of acting. But apparently, you know, hats off to uh, Keanu. He's actually been to Point Break Live and actually watched it. No, so. I, I mean, we grew up with this guy. Obviously, there was Bill and There's, I mean, for me... This, this was the film that got him on my radar. Kind of, I, I think, I don't know about you, but I went back to watch Bill and Ted's. I didn't... I, I, well, I, I think Bogus Adventure was at cinema. Bogus Adventure got on my radar. Bogus Journey. Sorry, Bogus Journey got on my radar. Excellent Adventure, I think I watched later or something like that. I don't know. It was it was weird. But it was this and then Speed. Speed the first, was a great film. Speed was when I realised I was in love with Keanu Reeves. Kind more, of like m- Bodhi. More than Bodhi? No, I mean, I just didn't like what he'd done with his hair and speed because he sh- shaves it off. But anyway, the 90s belonged to actors like... Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves this is a great film great soundtrack great soundtrack great cinematography yes it's not timeless it's a 90s film it's dated but in a fond way in a nostalgic way and it's what we're all about and who are we trying to convince I mean if you're listening to this I'm sure you've seen it maybe it's not been for a long time but we've had some we've obviously spoken to a few of our followers and people are excited about this film still people love this film and if you haven't watched it in a while, go back and check it out because it's escapism. It's, it's camp. It's 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 lovable. But I think that's how it kind of works. They, I think they all kind of knew how sort of over the top it was, but they go with that earnestness, and it kind of works. You know, it could. You can easily imagine in the wrong director's hands or wrong actors, it could easily just be a cheap sort of TV movie it is almost I mentioned it earlier Baywatch it's almost like a really bad Baywatch plot you know, or, really Baywatch or plot. a really good Baywatch <laughs> plot or really good you know potato potato and there's that new Baywatch film coming out but more yeah. more on that latest if it's relevant well, or well, good oh no speaking of which we uh, completely failed to mention uh, the whole Fast and Furious uh, connection oh god yeah the fact that Fast and Furious One. I know we're Currently, the, the eighth one has the Fast and Furious 8 or the Fate of the Furious has just hit cinemas. Uh, the first one is a blatant ripoff of Point Break. Uh, Absolutely. And, and it gets away unashamedly. So there's no actually reference or inspiration or anything. They've never given credit to it. And how can it? It does raise the question how can you make a film like Fast and Furious without saying. Even just saying something like, this is a homage to films like Point Break, and mention a few other films at the same time, so it's not yeah. obvious. To not even recognise it, it's a little bit lazy. But it's interesting, again, to think, like, you know, saying about this role, without this film, Keanu Reeves' career wouldn't have evolved as it has done. You look at how, like, Fast and Furious is a billion-dollar franchise. It's Universal's, like, cash cow. It's, it's, you know, every film that comes out will make a billion and that all starts off off the back of Point Breakers, essentially. Yeah, it's crazy. You trace it back that far. So it is available on DVD. You probably have the DVD. It is on Blu-ray. I'm. Sh- it's not on many streaming, but I'm sure will be eventually. Uh no. I you get it on Google Play. I think uh, you can get it on. A few- uh, I bought the Blu-ray a few years ago, so I have a digital copy. I have on ultraviolet I watched the uh, I watched it on the, on the DVD and the sound is still fantastic so yeah. it looks great yeah sounds great it's, it's one of those films that you know watching it on a big screen with a good good speaker setup is it's definitely worth it That was point break that was point break and thank you to everyone that, have that listened. So, Charlie, in terms of other stuff, what have you been up to recently? You've been a bit of a celebrity, haven't you? I have. Well, I mean, I've been rubbing shoulders, one might say. Literally rubbing shoulders? Because that's just a bit weird. Yeah, I I almost got asked to leave. No, uh, thanks to um, Paramount, uh, I was invited to the premiere of... Scarlett Johansson's big film of late, Ghosts in the Shell. In Paris. Yes, I should say at the French premiere at the Rex on Grand Boulevard in uh, Paris. So it was a blue carpet, not a red carpet. I think just trying to be different. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, But it was surreal to be there at a premiere, um, to be ushered in, and then to see the stars arrive, and then post photos. And there was obviously a lot of freebies. Um, There was also this very interesting thing that they did where on the actual cinema screen, before the stars came up and introduced the film, there was a running video of them arriving, and then you could take pictures of that and tweet it. So, uh, for my in terms of my background, I was quite impressed with the whole um, social media strategy was was in that was in play. The film was stunning, um, and if anybody's seen the original, did you see it in was it three D? Uh, no, it was just in two D. I think that was a restriction of. Um, the cinema that it was in for the premiere. They needed the biggest screen. Is it actually in 3D? I'm not sure. I saw it in 2D. Uh, I'm not sure if it is available, uh, but we'll clarify that on our blog. But yeah, a, a fantastic experience um, to be in the same room as these actors, not only uh, the likes of Scarlett Johansson, but Julia Binoche, uh, and see these young actors coming through. I'd say it was a um, very good visceral uh, experience, uh, and very loyal to the original anime, and I think the fans are going to be very, very happy uh, with the film, and it once again shows that Scarlett can hold her own. Did you tell Scarlett that I love her? I did. I was screaming it, uh, and that was when I got asked to move. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I went and saw that recently myself. Um, I it wasn't it. a premiere, was it? It, it wasn't a premiere, though, You didn't get any goodies, right? Though uh, I have been to premieres in the past, I'd okay. like to add. This, uh, this, this is about me, though. This is, this is your moment. This, this is my moment. moment. You enjoy it. it. Don't spoil it. Yeah, stop stop ruining my moments. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I thought it looked fantastic. Great, very slick visuals. Great soundtrack. I think it's Clint Mansell, who's a, a favourite composer of mine. Um, I just felt, maybe because it is a an adaptation of the manga, and I watched the manga anime last year, it just felt very familiar it's very Blade Runner-y in terms of the cityscapes it's a bit of Matrix-y and you know, obviously it's the slow-mo and, and stuff like that um but it's, it's enjoyable despite that for familiarity. Yeah it's good to see um source content like that being given that sort of treatment that sort of budget those sort of stars and um no it was as I say it was it was great to see it all in action. So and and just soak up and premiere. Yeah, yeah, no, great experience. Very thankful to be included, and uh, looking forward to the next invite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what else have you got for us? Um, what else am I doing? Well, uh, thumb my- twiddling. Thumb twiddling on my on my. PS4. Um, a game that has to be mentioned is Horizon Zero Dawn. All of you, because of the beauty of uh, advertising, have probably walked past a few uh, advert designs which are showing scenes from this game. And how did you describe it, George? It's the one with the robotic dinosaurs. That is the one. In okay. a post-apocalyptic future. Yes. Yeah, so treading, you could say, the same um, territory as many other uh, titles that have come out in the last few years this does do something truly original uh the story is is very interesting and it's quite current in terms of uh where the, what the future of AI and technology could take us if not properly policed but don't get me started on that um no but it is it is a beautiful game and this is done by guerrilla games who were behind the uh, killzone franchise oh, okay which i think we both invested a lot of time in on yeah. the ps2 and ps3 yeah but even the guys, a completely separate uh, development house who I have a lot of time for, uh, Naughty Dog, who've done the Enchanted series and more recently Last of Us. Love both those games. Very cinematic games. So if you're any movie fans out there that haven't played those games, go and play them now. Yeah, go get, check them out. But they had an interview with the, the, the guy who runs or the guys who run Guerrilla Games behind this. And even Naughty Dog said that this sets the bar as to what the graphics need to be, um, so we can be very excited about the next uh, Naughty Dog title because they're apparently going to match this. But great controls, great graphics, beautiful soundtrack, great game mechanics, just lots of fun, and it's just a beautiful world to to romp about in with Robo Dinosaurs um, and lots of sunsets and everything. So no, that's it's definitely it's not a long game. You can for the casual gamer, just I, I would say it's it's worth. It's definitely worth checking out. One of the most impressive games I've played on the PS4 uh, since GTA five. I so say. that is Horizon Zero Dawn. That is the one and very same. What about you? What have you been up to? Not much, just, you know... Playing Nintendo, <laughs> eat, eating chips in my pants. Um, no, not much to report uh, my side. I've been to the cinema a few times recently. I saw um, Ghost in the Shell. I saw uh, Kong Skull Island, which is definitely just lives up to the, the summary dumb but fun. Okay, but uh, worth the viewing? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's popcorn fodder entertainment. It's not going to change the wheel. It's not really any, it sort of doesn't really add anything. You, new but it's it's fun while it lasts okay and we're just we're obviously on the cusp of a lot of summer blockbusters coming out so already being bombarded uh i think the rest of our time is being taken up by updating our beautiful blog because we are now live we are live that we are obviously having to um to be a lot more responsive to what's going on but we're, we're enjoying it there's a lot more articles up there so please check it out yeah any any questions retro ramble dot blog yeah get us on all of the social medias and retro keep... ramble blog at gmail <laughs> and um please please keep uh, referring us to your friends and we'll see you next time hey, you're a real blue flame special aren't you son young dumb and full of calm i know i guess we just must have ourselves an asshole shortage huh Not so far.